There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. You're listening to Drive Live with Emma Brain and Natalie Lindo-Taylor. Now we're focusing all on sabbaticals. Drive Live talks careers. So we have two guests in the studio today. A warm welcome to Samantha Ellaby, uh, who's a senior associate at Clyde & Co. Samantha, very nice to have you on the programme. And we're also joined by Toby Simpson of Gulf Recruitment Group. Toby, great to have you back. Wonderful to be back as ever. Good. So we're talking all about sabbaticals on Drive Live Talks Careers today. Emma, you've not had one. No, I'd love to take one. I kind of have had one. And um, we want to know about you. Have you ever taken a sabbatical? Is it something that you would like to do? Have you ever been put off? If you have any questions or you want to let us know how your sabbatical worked out, do get in touch. 0487155500 is the new number, 4001 is the text line if you want to message us for free you'll need the dubai i app so essentially we're talking about sabbaticals how they affect your career what they might mean in terms of your employment and if it can help or be a hindrance now toby i'm gonna have to start with you because you have had a very special sabbatical I know, I know. I wish I was that sort of really disciplined person that had actually planned for this for two years and been saving my pennies to do it. But it all kind of happened quite quickly. I uh, I I got an offer for my business and it was a good one, so uh, I, uh, I I sold it and then went off, got married, and took eight months traveling around various exciting places in the world. And Toby, obviously, mm. you were in a very you know you were in a unique position that you were able to sell your business, and that that freed you up. With time, but um, lots of people maybe work for a company, and some companies are more flexible than others when it comes to employees taking some time out and their job being left open. Yeah, I would say kind of visionary employers actually. Um, uh, there's an example of a consulting firm in in London, a really good consulting firm that had invested a lot in bringing young people up to a certain standard. And once you've invested in human capital, just because mm. the market takes a downturn and there aren't that many client engagements, you've got a decision to make. Mm. You can either cut back on your workforce and you lose all of that working capital you've invested on. But what these guys did is they actually t- said to their employees, is you can come to us mm. and we will give you a year off on one third pay. So they had their jobs guaranteed Amazing. to come back to. And imagine a London salary, a yeah. third of a London salary, that goes a long way in many parts of the world. So... There were lots of management consultants kind of uh, borrowing people's watches to tell them on the time in the beaches in, in Bali rather than yeah. harassing clients in London. I would, uh, I would bite someone's hand, you yeah. know, <laughs> someone's hand off if you were getting a London salary. Samantha, you um, are a senior associate at Clyde & Co. Is the legal world one where sabbaticals are common or uncommon? We're definitely seeing more clients offering sabbaticals mm. and recognising the value of them. Um, I think partly for the reasons that have been mentioned, um, but also as a way of, of keeping uh, a motivated workforce um, and as a retention tool. Often yeah. they'll be linked to length of service. So if you stay with us for three years, then you'll become entitled to a sabbatical or once you get to a certain level of seniority. Um, interestingly, from a legal perspective, there is no right to take a sabbatical. Yeah. Um, there, there's nothing in the labour law that, that mandates that employers consider it. Is there ever a good time to take a sabbatical during uh, one's working career, as it were? And what, what kind of is, a, is an ideal time length for one, whether it be three months or a year? What's, what's a good time and, and a good length for one? Well, it kind of depends on your profession, the, the, mm. the length of time. Now, if you're a technology person and technology moves at the speed of light, 
uh, or a salesperson and you know what you're really selling is your network your contacts and your ability to to enter a market with whatever product you're going to be selling you do have a it is time sensitive very definitely time sensitive however if you're a doctor i know medical research progresses at a rapid pace as to as does pharmacology but to to some extent you know medicine or um accountancy or these mm. sort of uh, skills that will be with you anywhere you go around the world or you know in any time frame then you can probably afford to take a bit more time off and 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 really go out there and enjoy it i worked for a company uh, before here and we've talked about this before i think toby i um took a career break and the company were particularly good about career breaks. You didn't get paid, um, but it was on the condition that you used it. Um, you couldn't work. I, I worked for the BBC at the time. You weren't allowed to work as a journalist elsewhere. It wasn't a sort of opportunity for you to go and try out another company. And if you didn't like it so much, you could come back to your old job. It wasn't um, for that. But one of our friends went on a career break and went over to Japan and spent some time studying. And it didn't have to be sensible. Some people maybe took a sabbatical to care for a relative. You know, it, it was very dependent on people's personal situations. But you were allowed to take a career break of up to two years after you'd been full-time employed for one year, which must be super rare, Toby. Yeah, that's actually the first time I've heard it. That's um, it, you, Occasionally you hear of these things coming up because of economic situations. Yeah. But actually to be company policy, that's, you know, that's a, that's a, wonderful, uh, a wonderful perk. And I suppose it takes you know, an organisation of the scale of the Beeb yeah. to be able to handle that in, in, uh, you know, with um, workforce disappearing off and, and coming back in again. But great. And I suppose it ultimately just enriches the, the lives of their employees and therefore, let's yeah. say, their, their, their kind of life skills and their value to the organisation overall. And I spent a lot of that time traveling. So, you know, it was a real experience for me. But, um, you know, some people can be taking sabbaticals for the wrong reasons. What would you suggest they might be, Toby? Oh, um, not wrong reasons, but it's, it's you know, unfortunately, as a headhunter, we see the word sabbatical on the CV a lot. Mm. And unfortunately, as employers, we, we do tend to be skeptical when, when we see that because it's, was that an enforced sabbatical? Was yeah. it not an enforced sabbatical? Is that is that you know a word there that is to cover a missing year and a half uh, on your CV where you could have uh, you could have been residing in a clink somewhere or or whatever it might be? So <gasps> um, so yeah, no, we're naturally skeptical types as uh, as as recruiters. We have to be because there's a lot of a lot of nonsense out there now and again. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's. I think if you are genuinely going to do it and you're going to come back into the workforce, you need to have a very good rationale for why you went on a sabbatical rather than just, mm. I don't know, um, sort of uh, personal problems or whatever it might be. Uh, it should be it should it should be a progressive reason. It should yeah. be enriching and it should be, you know, I, having done it myself, I think it's an absolutely fantastic time to step away. And the value of when you're working on a day to day basis, your mindset yeah. is very much shaped by what you're doing that day. Yeah. So you think like a headhunter or you think like a radio presenter or you think like a, a lawyer. But once you've had the luxury of stepping away and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, sort of stuffing yourself full of fresh pasta every day <laughs> and, and marching around vineyards. We're not then... jealous at all, Toby, <laughs> OK? We're not jealous then, at all. Yeah, it feels like this is turning into a bragging session. It's, <laughs> it's really not meant to be at all. So what but you're you, kind you of saying is... to step back and, and your mindset reverts to its kind of natural state, I think. I was going to yeah. say, you're saying like sabbaticals could be good for the soul, basically, is what we're saying. It's good to, you know, get out of that daily headspace and go somewhere else. Absolutely. I'm trying yeah. to say it in a non-hippie, very professional <laughs> way, but I, that's I, ultimately it. 
Is I mean, it's interesting though because you say you you know you come out of this and you get to sort of take a step back. My job predominantly involves talking, so when I had my sabbatical, it's talking, asking people questions, and I found that you I couldn't switch that off. So I'd be sat next to someone on a plane and I'd be like, oh, you know, what are you doing here? Or I'd hear the accent say, oh, you going back home? And I would be chat chat chatting away and asking lots of questions. I couldn't I couldn't leave you know, my journalist job behind, really. But that's awesome, NLT. You're exactly the sort of person you want to bump into backpacking because all of us still have that chip on our shoulder that, oh, I can't speak to this strange person because they might think I'm Are a you weirdo. calling me strange? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite the opposite. We think we, we, we might be. And it's that kind of, if you've, if you've ever lived in London, you have that yeah. natural cloak of secrecy around you and you won't speak to a stranger. But it's, it's those people who break the ice, you know, in a, in a backpacking lodge or whatever it might be. Uh, absolute gem. So NLT, I wish I'd, I'd gone travelling with you. Uh, that's a nice compliment. I was on a plane to Bangkok and I happened to be sat next to a woman from Australia, but I was going to Australia at some point. And on the back of a piece of paper off the plane, I think it was um, possibly a bag in case you're not feeling very well. She wrote down all the recommendations of things that I should do in Sydney that weren't on the normal tourist spots. So I wasn't going to Sydney, but I talked to her, realised she was Australian, said I was going there at some point. And, you know, I went there with this piece of paper from a plane trip I'd taken, I don't know, a couple of weeks before and I had all of this stuff here and you never know when you talk to someone (laughs) what you're going to get. But Samantha, I guess you advise a lot of clients and um, would you sort of, you know, listening to what Toby said and how much of a benefit he's found uh, a sabbatical, would you sort of take the the policy perhaps advising them that this might be a great thing for for their employees to do? You've mentioned it's not in the labour law, but would you ever think to maybe advise a company that this could be a great thing for them too as employers? Yeah, I mean, I think um, there, there are benefits for sure. I think it very much depends on on the role that the employee is doing. Um, I think the key thing really from a, from a legal perspective is that it's carefully documented. Um, where we see it going wrong is where there will just be an agreement between the employer and the individual. Um, it's not documented and then there's a misunderstanding or... Um, you know, things don't quite work out how you've envisaged. So the key thing really is to think about all of these issues in advance and make sure that it's properly documented. Yeah. Okay, so basically, so so what kind of things, you said that things could potentially go wrong if things aren't documented and put, if you, if you like, on a side contract, what are the potential areas that this could have problems with? So I think the two key things to consider and document are what's going to happen during the secondment. So you mentioned, you know, not not being mm-hmm. able to work for other companies, um, not contacting clients, etc. So what's going to happen during the secondment? Is your visa going to be maintained? Is your employment maintained? Or are you actually terminating employment and then looking to get new employment at the end? Um, but also, what's going to happen at the end of that su- uh, sabbatical? Are you guaranteed your, your old role? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Can you just apply for it competitively? Um, so all of that needs to be considered and recorded. Okay. If I can ask a question, Samantha, one of the things that um, uh, strikes me is, is gratuity and the way that gratuity is enforced. So if, for example, you'd taken a sabbatical and you'd taken it as unpaid leave or on quarter pay or whatever it might be, would your end of service gratuity be reflected by your old salary or would the, would the Ministry of Labour or the Ministry of Emeritization Human Resources take into account that this was actually a sabbatical and you're on quarter pay or unpaid? So the the, the labour law specifically says that end of service gratuity doesn't accrue during unpaid leave. But that's another thing that should be documented so that it's clear between the parties that that six months 
a year that you've taken on sabbatical won't be considered in your length of service when your end of service gratuity is calculated at the end. So it's almost better to take unpaid leave rather than drop down to quarter pay uh, and and take a bit of time off. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose it depends on what the individual is doing during the sabbatical. For some individuals, they will prefer that their employment is terminated. They receive their end of service gratuity so that that assists with cash flow during Mm. the sabbatical. Mm -hmm. But then obviously you would be starting new employment then. Mm. And the terms might not be the same because exactly. it's a brand new job. Exactly. So it's a very it's a very difficult decision. If you are listening to this thinking, I've taken a sabbatical and it worked out well, or maybe not so well for you, do let us know because it's interesting to get different perspectives. Of course, Toby and I are sort of saying it was great for us, but that's not the case for everyone. Did you struggle when you returned to work? Are you thinking about taking a sabbatical? And you wouldn't mind some advice. Drive Live Talks Careers. Welcome back to Drive Live. It's Natalie, Lindo Taylor and myself, Emma Brainer. And it is Drive Live Talks Careers. With us in the studio is Samantha Ellaby, Senior Associate at Clyde & Co. She's here for a legal perspective. And we've also got Toby Simpson of Golf Recruitment Group in the studio. And today we're talking about sabbaticals. Now, Toby, yourself, you've, you've taken a sabbatical for a year or so, just about. Um, and you, you, you were talking earlier about, you know, you'll get someone's CV and it'll just say sabbatical, which could mean anything. So when someone is obviously coming back and they're trying to reintegrate into the workforce, however they're doing it, whether they're applying for new positions or, or returning, um, how do they kind of justify it? And do they need to write on their CVs what they were actually doing and, and what they got out of it? I would say so, yes. I would say because you'll, you'll get that. You'll be in the interview and you'll get that slightly snide question from the employer that says, <laughs> you know, so sabbatical, eh? Tell me about that. Uh, and uh, and you'll, you'll kind of need to justify it. And you don't need to, you know, if you've been backpacking around India, you don't need to prove you've been to India by turning up in a sari covered in beads. You just need to have a good reason about why you went on, on that. You know, it was a, a really positive experience. People want to work with positive, upbeat, mm-hmm. energetic people, people that are going to reflect their own their own values and personality. So if you can give some interesting anecdotes, even lighten the mood of the interview that can be very professional and boring and, and you know, sort of down to the substance of an interview rather than uh, the form. And you end up treating your employer as, as a person. So definitely address it. Definitely make sure it's positive and you've got some uh, good anecdotes to uh, to do it. And then, you know, and, and sort of show you're refreshed and re-energized and ready to re-enter the market with vigor and, and passion for this, this this opportunity you're interviewing for. So would my sort of tale of restaurant recommendations on a on a plane to Bangkok go down well, Toby? Absolutely, with you? just because <laughs> I'm still filled with the image of you wandering around Sydney with an airplane sit bag. <laughs> yeah, that's in what Byron. it was. Yeah, it really was. I still have it at home in my travel box. So if anyone ever said to me, um, "Did you really go travelling on said sabbatical?" I could bring this this book in, and I have a I had a travel journal and all the plane tickets I collected on route and some of the places I went to and the things I've seen are all in there. So I could pr- you know I could prove. This. I've got serious evidence of what happened. But I mean, I guess that's interesting. But you're banking on quite an understanding employer, really, to, to sort of say, um, you know, OK, yeah, you just sort of had some time enjoying yourself because someone might argue that's what you've done. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> fortunately, I'm not okay for too many interviews. It's, it's not, my, not my thing at the moment, but they could do. But look, you've got this things on your side. If you've just come back from this, one of the major advantages you've got over other, other individuals, potentially other candidates you might be competing against, is you're immediately available. Now, that actually makes a big difference. 
quite mm. often, I'm afraid to say in this particular market, people only decide to take action when it's already too late to take action. And that includes when it comes around to hiring. So they'll say, we need someone yesterday. And that is always the case when I'm dragged in in front of a client to talk about why they needed a new member of the executive team. So actually, that can be, that can be an advantage. But you need, to, you need to take a step back. A lot of people come back in and they've been, they had a dream whilst in their Napoli yurt and you know, on the top of a mountain that says they want to do something wildly different. You need to kind of check yourself and, and, and really <clears throat> step back and take a look at yourself as a commodity in the employment market. Really boil down what your saleable skills are and, and focus your job search towards where you're actually going to be competitive. That sounds very simple, but actually that kind of soul-searching process is really quite a difficult thing to do. Mm. And I was going to say, it's not... And there's different types of sabbaticals. Like you say, there's the travelling ones. But a lot of people, they, they might go off and volunteer and do something um, you know, exceedingly useful with their time or do some retraining. There's lots and lots of different types of sabbaticals. So I, I guess it depends what you've gone off to do and then how you work that back into whether you're, you, know, you want to change career or go back and how it's going to, to come to your advantage later on. Absolutely. I think Samantha was, was talking about her, her time. In it. Well, that's it. Yeah. well, actually, you did an amazing year off. And uh, how did it, when you went into a nice, cold, professional legal office and they asked you about your year away, how did that go down and how did wait, you explain wait, it? Wait, 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 wait a second. So, Samantha, you've had a sabbatical. We've all been talking about ours and you've been hiding your sabbatical light under a bushel. Tell us more. <laughs> it wasn't really a sabbatical. You you have to apply for your training contracts two years in advance. Okay. So I already had a training contract lined up to start in two years. Okay. And obviously I, I could have spent those two years working and earning money and arguably perhaps should have done that. Um, but instead I decided to go off travelling for two years. Um, and and it was great, um, but I think it was probably slightly different. It, it was a it was an enforced mm-hmm. break yeah. between academia and working. Um, I, I haven't had the luxury so far of taking a break in my professional career, although I'm very open to it if um, my employer is listening. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> so modest in an orphanage in in Vietnam, wasn't it? Yes. How did, yeah. how wow. did, the, how did the, the the lawyers that you know you in subsequent interviews? How do they respond to that? Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's it's a competitive market. The legal market, of course, is very competitive. And, you know, I found that it gave me something to talk about in an interview. I think, as you said, you have to think about what you gained from that experience. Um, I gained lots. And so it was very easy to, to, to talk about what I'd done and what I'd learned in an interview. Um, and quite a lot of, of employers that I spoke to said that when they looked through my CV, you know, the, the, the scuba diving course that I'd done or, or, or the volunteering was something that made me stood out, stand out from, from other candidates. I was going to ask, so your experience and the things that you've learned and the things that you've gone off and done will probably stand out on the CV and, and maybe, you, you know, they pique somebody's interest as opposed to everyone else that's, like you say, might have spent that two years working or doing something not quite so interesting or not interesting at all. So it's, it's, it could be about piquing interest as well. Yeah, exactly. And some of the, if someone does take a sabbatical and, you know, your advice, obviously, if you're advising a client or a friend even would be to make sure the conditions and the terms of that sabbatical are really clearly laid out. Because if you come back, you could end up with quite a nasty 
surprise. Yeah, I think that's that's the fundamental thing from from both parties' perspectives. Really, is that it, that both parties are very very clear in terms of 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 what's going to happen during and and post the sabbatical, um, so that there are there are no surprises, um, and making sure that that's all properly documented. And where would you stand, for example, if um, you said, you know, there were two options. Your employer said, of course, you can terminate the employment now and we'll give you a new contract. Because like you say, not everyone can afford to, you know, fund a year or two off. So they say, OK, take your gratuity um, and we'll give you a new job when you come back. And then when you come back, they say, well, of course, we'll give you your old job back. But the market's changed and we're going to have to pay you maybe two thirds of what we paid you before you left. And uh, yeah, that, that that's a a risk that that you take um, that the employer would be under no obligation to maintain your pre-existing contractual terms so you, you you always run the risk of either the employer saying actually there isn't now a job for you or as you say there's a job but it's it's not on the terms that that you were expecting to get um, I suppose again it comes back to documenting it in advance if you'd clearly documented that these are the terms on which you can come back then it becomes a lot harder for the employer to renege on that yeah. And what about if you took a second option where um, you, you, you know, you weren't ending the contract, but then when they came back, they said, look, OK, you used to be the sales manager, but actually in the year that you were away, we had somebody else step in. And actually, we think they've done a really good job. So you can come back, but we'll give you a job in a different department completely. So if the contract was maintained throughout, so mm. um, that, that, that kind of second category of sabbatical where your visa and your employment is maintained and it's always envisaged that you will go back to that role, the employer would have a harder job then trying to change the contractual terms. Generally, that then needs to be done with the employee's agreement. Yeah. Okay. And Toby, is there anything that you would sort of advise people who are thinking about a sabbatical to have uh, that kind of conversation with their employer? Yeah, absolutely. Prepare before this. A lot of employers, you know, employers ultimately are human beings, you know, whether they often don't look like it. They, you know, when you sit down with them one on one, um, you'll, you'll find that provided you're reasonable, your employer is always bound to be reasonable as well. Now, let's say the, you know, the, the market is, is, is challenging. If you tell your employer, look, I don't know if it helps at all. Or my mind isn't made up, but I'm debating a year, you know, traveling around Japan or whatever it might be. Um, then your employer will go, well, we can actually work towards that. We can begin to prepare to cover the work that you're not doing and, and give you the time off and actually might help because, you know, we're, you know, sort of uh, market's a bit flat at the moment um, and then sort of come back invigorated. As long as you're, it's, human beings are capable of acting very irrationally when their emotions are peaked. Mm. So when, if, if an employee is perceived, whether it's true or not, in any way of, of acting dishonestly or not being totally open, the employer always reacts probably more forcefully than they should do. So as an employee, I'd always recommend, you know, being totally open, totally honest, totally upfront, asking their opinion, sort of working with their plans rather than the other way around. And, and it works. A friend of mine is, um, he's he's currently sitting on a beach in Bali. The, the market's flat in the, in, in, uh, in, in, he has a marketing agency. So he's taken his salary out of the business. He's rented out his house in, in Arabian ranches and, and he's, uh, He's following his dream of, of becoming like Bodhi from Point Break. It's not, it's not David McKenzie, is it? It's not no. David McKenzie. No, he's busy cycling around all over the place. No, this is, this is another chap. I, I, well, I don't think I mind. He's called Justin, and he's currently sitting on a beach in Bali 
and he needs a haircut and to come back to work is what I say. But that's kind of what's nice about this as well, isn't it? Because it is a break from what you're doing and the monotony of daily life. I mean, it does sound like we're just advertising sabbaticals here, <laughs> but lots and lots of people have real positive experiences with them. A hundred percent. And I can only really speak uh, speak from the heart in a hippie-like fashion. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it's, uh, it's as I, I mentioned before, you're in a particular mindset when you're focused on the day-to-day and the next month's P&L and the next month's P&L, and you act and think and speak in a particular manner. But, you know, having uh, floated around South Africa and, and, and Italy, you, you come back and it just allows you the luxury of sitting back and having childlike imagination again and getting excited and enthusiastic about something it's amazing what what a break of time can really do for for uh, for your creativity and just for your energies to be re- sounding really hippie like it's I not know, like, I'm, like, I'm like, I don't recognize to you Toby I'm, uh, I'm going to rip off this suit and <laughs> 60s hippie's going to pop out but uh, no, uh, yeah, to rechannel your energies and your focus into something that's 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 totally you. Do you think there's a real danger though that you could also go on a sabbatical and, you know, as much as as the reinvigorating sort of aspect of it, you could suddenly go, well, you know, I don't actually think I want to be an investment banker anymore. Maybe this isn't the right path for me because I'm so much happier with less pressure. Well, that's kind of you can take one step backwards to take two steps forwards. Yeah. So yeah, they might well go to a lower ranked position in something else that mm. can use investment banking skills. You know, investment banking skills as in many other skills are very transferable to you know other you know sort of other roles within uh, within industry. So yeah, you might take a lower salary and a step back, but if you've had the time to really think about it and you're committed to that concept of change and you know and you've planned about how to make that happen, then by all means, it's going to be far more positive than being in the same situation in 10 years time with gray hairs and further down your career path it's always harder to make the change than it is earlier in your career path we have two guests for drive live talks careers today we've got samantha ellaby who's a senior associate at clyde and co we're also joined by toby simpson of the gulf recruitment group both of our guests today have had sabbaticals and taken them and it's done wonders for both of them for very different reasons but samantha you are a legal professional and i guess lots of people are wondering if they go on a sabbatical how simple is it because lots of people want to maintain their sponsorship and visa for very good reason because they want to come back it is a sabbatical but they are planning to return to the uae so um you know how easy is it for a company to continue employing a spon- uh, continuing employing someone who wants to go maybe travelling on their sabbatical? Sponsorship and employment are inextricably linked. So the company can only maintain their sponsorship of the individual as long as they're maintaining their employment. As soon as they terminate employment, they then have to cancel their visa. So that's one of the things that needs to be determined from the outset. Are we terminating employment or not? Where the visa is maintained, that's often going to be preferable from the individual's perspective because it then means they can maintain their sponsorship of dependents. It's not going to have an impact on bank accounts, etc. You do need to re-enter the UAE at least once every six months. So if you're planning on backpacking around South Africa and Italy for 12 months and and not returning to the UAE, then that, that wouldn't necessarily work. I just wanted to ask, but this might depend on the size of the company as well, because obviously, depending on the size of the company, whether it's free zone or not, uh, they only have so many amount of visas. So if someone goes off for, say, a year, but still has a visa, you know, it's taking up position up a position where they might need to get someone else in. Exactly. And and so obviously from an 
individual's perspective, having their visa maintained is preferable. But from the company's mm. perspective, maintaining the visa means they're still your employee. They're still taking up a visa quota, as you say. You still have to provide them with medical insurance. They're still ultimately your responsibility. And, you you know, that may not necessarily be desirable. And I guess, you know, the other option for this is also lots of people are thinking, well, what will happen to my bank account? Because we obviously know if you don't have a res- uh, a valid residency visa, your, your, your account will go uh, with that and be frozen in most cases. Yeah. So if you go down the route of having your employment terminated and your visa cancelled, then your bank account will generally be, be frozen. And so you won't therefore be able to access that for the duration of your sabbatical. Um, And also, obviously, you run the risk that when you come back to the UAE, you may not get a residence visa for whatever reason, depending on your nationality or your or your circumstances. And what if perhaps you were going somewhere and you were working? Maybe, you know, maybe you went to uh, go and pick fruit and vegetables in Australia. You know, maybe lots of people do that. Maybe that's what you're going to do to earn a bit of money to fund the rest of your traveling. And does it matter if you're being paid over there or would it matter if money was being paid? into your account here is there any sort of issues with that there's no prohibition on you working in another jurisdiction whilst you have a uae residence visa there would be a prohibition on you working within the uae so i suppose depending on the purpose of your sabbatical that that would be Mm -hmm. another factor to consider and toby what's your thoughts on people you know taking a sabbatical and working somewhere else because There's a big difference between maybe taking a sabbatical to study or to help out in an orphanage or to travel. But if somebody's working somewhere else, how does that look? I think it's, uh, I I think from the employer's perspective, if the the employee had been open and upfront with me and said, look, I'm going to go to Australia and just to make a few extra bucks so I can, you know, sort of, I can get the bus rather than walk from place to place, um, I'm going to do some fruit picking. Then uh, as long as they're open and upfront, there's there's no problem with that. If I was an employer... And I saw somebody I may be sort of holding a visa for or paying visa renewal fees or in some way being, you know, uh, let's say disadvantaged by keeping this visa open. And I saw that that employee was actually doing a serious job in Australia and was kind of umming and ahhing about whether they were actually going to come back to the UAE and weren't being totally honest with me. Then I think that's kind of... Well, regardless of the of the legal proposition, it's not ethical. Mm, and yeah. I, I, I'd always look at it from that perspective first. In general, Toby, would you say companies are becoming more open to their employees taking sabbaticals? It always depends on economic situations. So your, your managing director, he loves his people, and I work with many CEOs that would go through hell and high water for their people. But ultimately, decisions have to come down to what's in the financial interest of the company. And, uh, you know, in a perfect situation, as it has kind of been over the last couple of years for people to maybe take uh, a sabbatical, then then as long as it's in everyone's interest, then then great. But uh, if you're about to go through an enormous great big pitch or there's a there's mm. a then your employer is never going to welcome you, know, you telling them, sure. that, do you know what? I fancy growing my hair long for a year. But I guess, I mean, the, the, the scenario you talked about in London where, you know, t- times were tough and the company sort of said, we'll give you a quarter pay, go off for a while. And hopefully when you come back, things will be a little bit better. Do you think there's a real sense that some employees might be more open to doing that? Because it's something I've never heard of, but it sounds like quite a sensible proposition. I think it's very sensible because you retain that human capital and, and the employees are loyal to you. And it just, you know, what a great firm to work for. And you always have that warm, rosy feeling if you're proud to work for an employer that really looks after you. So I, I think it's I think that was a great solution. And it's often these sort of solutions that companies don't really think of. 
Yeah. So they just think, right, we have to downsize our, our workforce. We have to downsize our salary costs. Where there is other ways of, of, of you know, of cutting that cake. And, and that's, a, that, that's a great solution. It's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it is kind of getting people in the mindset. How do you approach that kind of conversation, though? If your company's struggling a little bit, how do you, how do you say to them, look, I've got a great solution, actually, that could work for you and could work for me. It's quite, it's quite an unusual conversation to be having it is an unusual conversation but you know don't be shy have yeah. those conversations rather than keep it in the dark you know if the employer says no i really need you here 100 percent, then you you know what the employer's position is and mm. you can take a judgment call after that you might say okay well i'm going to stick it out for another year and see what happens and maybe next year of a year of graph but if the employer says to be honest you know we've we've got this expensive whatever it might be events team and there's no events going on Mm. That would be great. I really appreciate you coming to this with me first rather than going ahead and booking it because actually we have this thing coming up in November. It'd be great if you were there, but maybe after that. And you can work together on those things. Yeah. Like communication is and, and openness and transparency is the key in so many problems. They can only ever say no, right? It never hurts to ask. <laughs> exactly. As I say. <laughs> yeah. That's all it can ever be. Yeah. But um, I, just, I, I just think it's like a really good idea. And if companies, like you were saying, if they're on the downturn and they're opening, they could be, you know, really appreciative of the fact that the staff are coming back. They're a little bit more worldly. They've had some more experience and they've got fresh thinking with them you know they're not people that have been working day in day out and they're a little bit tired you know and it, it just a one or two week holiday sometimes isn't enough so it could really help have some employees back who've had a, a proper break from their, their work time I think absolutely no totally agree okay so if we had to just go around the room uh, pro um, sabbatical or anti-sabbatical Samantha I Love the idea of taking some time off and traveling. Um, I have to say that I think in our profession, it would be slightly difficult because yeah. it's very client facing. Your practice is built around being visible. So yeah. if I were to take a year out and travel around the world, I would be taking Lose a significant a step back. Yeah. And Toby Simpson, I might guess what you would say: <laughs> sabbatical, <laughs> for uh, or against? I, pro, absolutely. I've you know, but I was in a very luxurious position that people don't often get. Yeah. I could, I could do that. So, I, but um, generally, I think you've got to do it responsibly. And and yes, very much. I was worried in that mindset that all my clients would disappear. But I turned back, turned up eight months later, and do you know what? Things don't move that quickly. Yeah, they were still maybe uh, maybe they were just particularly good clients, but. I know what you mean. You were afraid of that fear of loss would, would keep you anchored to where you are. But just roll the dice, man. Yeah. <laughs> Life for living, says Toby the hippie since he's returned. Emma, what about you? For or against? Uh, worker side of me says absolutely do it. Being my own boss, me says not just yet. <laughs> OK. I am definitely team sabbatical. That's all we've got time for on Drive Live Talks uh, careers. Big thank you to our guest today, Samantha Ellaby, who's a senior associate at Clyde & Co. Lovely to have you on. Um, hopefully you'll come back. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, and Toby Simpson from the Golf Recruitment Group and also newfound hippie. Toby, pleasure <laughs> to have you on the show. Always a joy. Thank you, guys. The new Toby, rather. Pleasure to have him on the show. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.